0: Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen.
1: Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, Anyone listening to The London
0: Book. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast. A podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea champions gear around. All right, joining me, as always, my man Nick is here. Unfortunately, though, Dan is still not with us for part two, Nick.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're just you're you're left with little old me again, Brandon. So, I mean, that's just a bummer for everybody, you know, because I'm a consolation prize, you know. (laughs) Some things people just can't let
0: go of, apparently. I thought we'd moved on. (laughs) I gave you a Uh, great little outro last episode. I thought we could start (laughs) fresh in part two, but no, we can't. So I'm going to move on to, uh, obviously, this is part two of our Summer Transfer Target Special featuring the man himself, Joe Tweeds. Obviously, Joe, welcome back to part two for sticking around and just chatting all things Big Money Moves.
1: Hi right, guys. Yeah, glad to be
0: back on. All right. Well, real quick, in case you missed part one, we talked about the center backs and wing backs and who we think Chelsea should go out and sign. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. Uh, also, this whole conversation is revolving around Joe's fantastic article. He wrote about what Chelsea should do in kind of the transfer window this summer. If you have not read that, hit pause immediately go to We Ain't Got No History on SB Nation and read it quick because everything we're talking about is coming directly from that. All right, let's go ahead and jump right on into the midfielders. All right, so rumored to be out are Nemanja Matic and Cesc Fabregas. Now, how much they actually might be rumored to be leaving is kind of up for interpretation. Obviously, Fabregas kind of leaving some quotes out there for the press to uh, feed upon right at the end of the FA Cup, talking about how, you know, he thought he did enough to be in the starting lineup for this match. I get it. Dude wants to play, wants to put himself in the best position possible, other Other, you know, midfielders that we have on the squad right now, obviously, Chalaba and Angolo Kante. We have a couple youth players, though, uh, you know, Baker and um, Pasalic, obviously uh, two guys who had good loan spells, one in, um, you know, the Netherlands, the other one in Italy, respectively. But as we kind of kick on with this, guys, uh, at... Oh my gosh! I don't know how to say your name. Jeff Hardy tweeted at us and says, "Does Lewis Baker have a <laughs> chance of making Swan the Tom team?" Bond. I. Well, oh, there you go. So, I mean, Joe, obviously, you spent time with Lewis Baker. Uh, is he that far off of the mark to get into the full squad uh, for the upcoming season?
1: Um. See, from from a personal point of view, I, I think he's he's ready to play. Um, the the kind of flip side being that you know that as a Chelsea youth team player tends to mean a couple of games here and there or a few sort of take taking minutes here and there so yeah I mean I think he can conjure I think from his set pieces in particular his ability to shoot from midfield I don't think really that's something that we have anywhere in the team Or you know obviously Matthew go against uh, Tottenham sort of aside I think you know Baker is, is someone who is probably you know a 14-15 goal a season midfielder uh, it's not something that we really see I think he, he probably outscored the, the Chelsea midfield maybe by himself. You know, obviously, we can look at the quality of, of you know the Eredivisie versus the Premier League, but yeah, I mean, I think he can. He offers a lot, of, a lot of what Fabregas does. You know, he's a very sort of very good pass on the ball. He's obviously he's entirely too fitted, but I think the the set pieces is really where he comes in, and, and, and obviously earns his money. It's the quality of of delivery, both in terms of his, his ability to score from set pieces, but also his his corners and just general free kicks. So I'd like to think for him, there's there's probably a spot in, in the squad. Um, Whether I'd be happy with him just coming in and riding the bench sort of like Shallow has done this season, I'm not entirely sure. Um, Personally, I think he will go on loan to a Premier League club, whether that's someone like Brighton or Newcastle or maybe someone like Bournemouth who plays or tries to play a bit more football than sort of maybe the the Crystal Palaces or the Tony Pulis managed sides of this world is is kind of up for debate. But I think, yeah, for, for me... I think one season in the Premier League maybe just to adapt to the physicality um, but I do think that potentially in terms of ability I mean he's he's definitely a, someone that, that should be able to contribute for Chelsea at some point
0: All right, well, let's go ahead and operate under the assumption that one of Modic and Fabregas are leaving this summer. I think that that's probably pretty realistic that we aren't going to have both of them. Uh, So how many midfielders do you think that Chelsea need to sign this summer uh, based off of the current squad of Shalaba, Fabregas, Conte, and Modic, Nick?
2: Well, I mean, uh, this really depends on who leaves. So if both Matic and Fabregas leave, you know, two to three uh, midfielders to replace them. If they both stay, you know, one to two, you know, if if only one of them leaves, I think two is probably the number you land on, uh, you know, you're just playing, you know, in a hypothetical sense, if Chelsea make, you know, the, the quarterfinals of the Champions League, which I don't think is out of, out of the, uh, the realm of possibility, you know, that's an extra, what's, six, seven games that you're going to tack on probably a deeper run, in the EFL cup with some of our youth team. Uh, and then you're going to have FA Cup and, and Premier league on top of that. So there is, there's definitely room for rotation. I don't think the expectation uh, can possibly be for N'Golo Conte to manage all of that himself. Although I'm sure he, uh, you know, his batteries will allow him to do that. I think it's just a little silly to kind of go under the assumption that he's going to play every game. So you do need adequate replacement in the midfield, Tweeds, uh what do you think
0: I mean Chalaba might even be looking at loan as well uh mm, yeah. like, I guess what's the magic number do you think for Chelsea as far as like these are again just central midfielders and we have to think Chelsea may be playing two center mids three center mids even potentially four if we have a diamond midfield next season
1: yeah I mean I think again you know the if you look at say Matic and and sleeve, then I mean really the the only sort of trusted option in that in that midfield is Kante. I think you know Shawerball was quite unlucky to maybe not play um more last season I think you know I mentioned in the article that I, I thought there are periods where we even Kante you know was slightly off form um, you know Matic was I don't think particularly fantastic all season and, and Fabregas seems in, in Conte's mind at least to be someone who plays in a specific type of size or, or is a substitute you know for to come on and change games late on um, so I, I, I think I would probably probably lean on 2-3 to 3, um, three maybe because I feel potentially that, that we might see more of the, the kind of three five two next season so you're more likely to see us line up with 3 midfielders um, in which case I think 3 is not necessarily out of the realms of, uh, of possibility
0: all right nick i think we should go ahead and dig in uh to maybe joe's list from the article a little bit here he's got some interesting people on this i know that the most popular one everyone's talking about right now is bakayoko um but you know verati has been in and out of things what about this nabiketa and Tuliso? you know a couple of up-and-coming guys that that he's talked about
2: yeah, I mean, Joe. It sounds to us, you know, and what we're reading, you know, same as you, that that Bakayoko has been uh, some on the club have identified and, and are you know close-ish to making a move for. Uh, you know, what are his strengths and and you know potential ability to to fit in the squad?
1: I mean, personally, I would see him as as a kind of like for like. Replacements and Emmanuel Matic um, I think he's he's suffering a bit from, from people seeing his performance against Juventus and assuming that that kind of is his level of play um, I mean I watched him against PSG early in, early in the season and he completely and utterly tipped Verratti to the cleaners um, I've not seen Verratti dominated um, really in, in that sort of fashion before. So I mean that for me probably is more more sort of the player that I'm used to watching with Monaco um, in terms of sort of strengths again you know he's he's not going to be a a Fabregas passer he's going to get the ball and hit, and hit sort of 40 50 60 yard passes but you know this this perception that he's not good on the ball because he's, he's he's not you know he's not comfortable playing this this sort of long long distance passing is probably a little bit off you know he plays in a or plays in a Monaco side which is kind of known for being probably one of the most fluid teams in Europe you know they're Counter-attacking, even their, their sort of general play on the ball, and you don't play in central midfield for a team like that if you if you kind of can't pass. Um, I think the crucial thing which you'll see from from Bakayoko is. Yeah, you know, it's it's not going to be a, a ass, you know, kind of defence-splitting pass from midfield. But all of his passing is is you know, it's it's really it's really well weighted. It's always to the to the right foot. You know, it's always kind of sympathetic to the, the person. And and I think again, you know, that, that's really a, a kind of an often underlooked feature of being midfielder is to actually play the right pass at the right speed. You know, in, in terms of either putting in front of the player or to the player's feet, allowing them to kind of use the ball in the most efficient manner. I think that's what Bakaryoga does really well. The other thing that I really do like about him is that he he does have the ability to just get the ball and just, just smash through midfield. Um, You know, he will get the ball. He will, you know, people will bounce off him. He's a very, very powerful player. But you know, I think, again, in terms of Monaco's shape, he was probably limited from from doing that somewhat. He was more of a kind of a pure defensive screen. So I think what, what Conte is seeing is, is probably maybe not necessarily a Vidal type player in terms of his passing, but in terms of his kind of dynamism, you know, he, he will be a true box to box player. Um, will pop up with your goal. Very, very good physicality. You know, he's a lot more mobile, a lot quicker, a lot more physical than Matic. Um, you know, he's not, he's not as tall as Matic, but I think he plays bigger, if that makes sense. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would be very, very happy if, if that is the uh, if that's a replacement for Matic. Again, you know, I think people seem to have this this you know perception in their head that he's coming in and he's going to be our main kind of ball player in midfield. It's probably not going to happen. I think Conte probably wants him as a as a more athletic um, sort of destroyer within kind of midfield, which I think suits him really, really well. But again, you know, from a from a technical perspective, I think he uses the ball well. And you know, as I said, I don't think Monaco are the same team when he doesn't play. So yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I think he'll be a good signing.
0: You know uh, one of the things i'm noticing on this list obviously joe is that you you favor the younger players absolutely i think that you look at guys that are on the rise um but to be fair you do have Virati in here who even though he is young we know this guy has a ton of experience at the international level and uh domestically and in europe as well um i guess you know like how do you balance this out and like Maybe how do you look at this versus just like pure raw talent and then guys that are coming in like at the variety level who have got a ton of experience and you essentially can probably trust from day one? Like it are there any trust factors? Are you really leveraging Conte's coaching abilities to take these guys and like you've talked about in part one, molding these young players into the the, the complete player that we need?
1: Um I think really the the main reason for looking kind of established players versus some of the younger talent that we're looking at, I think it's really just looking at Conte's coaching style, um, the way that he can mold players into, to something that probably precisely fits the kind of tactical setup that he wants versus maybe getting someone in who's kind of in their late twenties, who is, you know, they're very comfortable in playing in a certain way or you know, they they maybe not necessarily want to move back into a position that they've previously played. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's really looking at the, the, the kind of the, the youthful exuberance and also just the fact that a lot of these players, you know, in terms of their early 20s, they may look a particular way but in two, three, four years' time, uh, you know, they are a completely different player. Um, you know, Frank Lampard came to Chelsea as a, a good central midfielder but I'm not sure many people would really have, have kind of guessed that he would end up as probably one of the, the greatest goal scoring midfielders ever um, from from what, you know, what came from West Ham. So, it's trying to sort of see in terms of kind of development curves where these players could potentially end up. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're very experienced in their own right. You know, guys like Taliso and, and Bakayoko and Keita, etc. They've all played a, a lot of football, for, you know, from the ages of 18 at, at good levels. So I think, mean, you know, you've got experience and maturity, albeit that they are obviously still in their early 20s. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's not necessarily about going out and getting all these fantastically experienced players and, and, and making kind of a, a push based on those. Um, I think Conte probably, and probably the club actually are more about building um, sort of younger players, bringing them in, molding them uh, and seeing really where you can, where you can take them as opposed to just coming with, with an existing set of players. Um, no, I think probably the most experienced player that I've looked at is probably someone like Alexandro. Um, I think he might be 25, 26, which, which kind of you now as an established player in, in a specific position, you know, I think obviously he's from the Juventus class so you know he's going to have a lot of what Conte is, is, is going to preach is going to be within him so it's not necessarily such a huge reach but some of these younger players I think you know the, the tactical side of things that Conte wants particularly the the, the level of drilling and, and practice and the amount of tactical work that the club does um, you know, I think the younger the better because I think that they'll, they'll probably adapt and become a lot more in tune with that going forward
2: So really quick just follow up on on Verratti um, you know a guy who I think you know, minus his size, you know, he's, he's not a, he's not a big guy by any means, but has basically everything in his locker. I mean, could play as a number 10 due to his passing, could play as a central midfielder. You know, I, I think, you know, if you, if you wanted to you know, in a in a three-four-three, three, if you wanted to put him up in, in one of those front three positions, he'd figure out a way to score up there too. Uh, you know, how do you really how do you classify him? I know we have him in our midfield list, but how do you really look at him?
1: Um I think there's a few players on this list that I, I just classify them as, as footballers. Um I think Verratti is one of these and just the fact that you could probably put him pretty much anywhere on the pitch maybe by centre back and you know you're going to get a pretty high level of performance out of him regardless of of where he is Um, you know he's someone who despite being very short is a an extremely complete midfielding. You know the way that he can control midfield before his passing you know he's very aggressive he's very spiky you know you always see him throwing himself into tackles and again you know he's another one of these players who I think probably if you looked at the bigger games that he's played in over the past you know maybe four or five seasons there may be two bad games that he's had out of like 20 so you know you've got someone who really rises to the occasion um, you know he can control control midfield basically by himself and I think you know probably I think the game that PSG went down to 10 men against us he was he was absolutely superb he basically just controlled the, the entire game by himself from midfield you know against uh, uh what i've what i thought at the time was a pretty decent chelsea side so um yeah i mean just pure class really um in kind of any position that you would want to put him in the only concern really being obviously in the premier league is, is would you want to start ratty and kante um you know in, in a two-man midfield because I think Mario and Fellaini could probably balance the ball in his head and just run, run past them. But, um, you know, there's, (laughs) that's really the only concern is his height. Um, but I mean, again, if we're looking at this, this three, five, two formation, I mean, I don't think really in terms of world football, there's a better player to play in that kind of parallel role in front of the back four, um, sorry, back three, um, then Verratti, you know, if you flanked him with, with Bakayoko and someone like Talisa, I mean, you're looking at a very, very powerful and and technically fantastic midfield trio with Arati, You know, he's a range of passing and ability to dictate a game. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the the only problem being really that I don't think PSG will sell him. Um, You know, I think he's kind of there. Their kind of key figure. Um, he's kind of their their statement, one of their statement players. And I think, although you've got the Conte factor and probably the the, uh, the probably the pool of, of the Premier League and Chelsea, I'm not necessarily sure that, that he is a type of person to really look to force for a move. So, probably for me, while you know, would be an absolute dream signing. And I think again, he would be very very good in the Premier League. Um, but I, I just can't see PSG uh, selling him. Although we do have quite a good relationship with them as a club. So it'd be interesting to see if we pursue it, but I think this is probably more dream than reality, unfortunately.
0: So, and this is like the concern I have, obviously with Navi Keita, who again is massively well regarded in, you know, European football. It sounds like his potential is just through the roof, but him and Verratti and Angolo Kante, like that's <laughs> a, that's a concern, like having everyone yes. under five, nine in the middle of the pitch, and, and that's why, like, I'm like having a Modic or potentially a Bakayoko or, you know, maybe someone else just with even a little bit more height. Uh, so that's where, like, I'm drawn to Taliso. All right. So not quite six foot, but he's got a good frame on him as well. And what I like about him is mainly that uh, you talk about he controls the tempo. I think that that's something that Susk brings to the team. But without Susk, like, we don't always have it. It's more like, OK, we got it in the back get it to our attacking players as fast as we can and then see what they can do with it. And I think that, you know, having someone to really help us with that transition from defense to offense uh, would be really key, I think, for Chelsea next season going into Europe.
1: Yeah. uh, um, I think Taliso, probably, probably my favorite player out of everyone on the list Um, You know, in, in any position. I think he's been, He's been a standout player for Leon for probably the past two seasons. And I think again, when, when we're talking about well-rounded players, he can do pretty much everything. I think he he probably is the definition of that in terms of this of this sort of set of players. I think one of the interesting things you'll see, particularly for those who are interested in the sort of football radars that Statsbomb tend to produce, if you look at sort of the 2015, 16 season, he was playing in a slightly more defensive oriented position in midfield. You know, his possession adjusted interceptions and tackles, et cetera, were completely insane. I mean that that sort of area of the grass. Was was incredible, and and this season he's he's kind of transitioned to being more of an attacking player. And then you've got you know the fact that he's he barely gives any fouls away, he barely loses the ball. You know his his through balls, etc. You know are, 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 again, absolutely you know huge in terms of that surface area. If you were to combine the two together, you know I don't think really that, that currently you're looking at a central midfielder in Europe who who would have that kind of. Of skill sets so for me it's about marrying you know uh, uh, finding a position for him in, in this sort of midfield whether it's a two or three that allows him to to do all this sort of wonderful work off the ball in defensively but also contribute you know in attack I think Leon uh, probably quite an unstructured side when, when I've seen them play um, you know it's it's not kind of the content where you know you kind of see that there's a lot of passing angles and that there's a lot of alleyways for people to to progress the ball I think Leon a lot of it was okay can we get the ball to tolisso and can he find Lacazette? you know that was kind of a lot of the, the tactic that they were trying to go through. But yeah, I mean in terms of in terms of a player, I mean, you know, I think he's probably the closest thing to Arturo Vidal in his prime, um that, that you're likely to see, you know, potentially for someone, I think he'll he'll be at that kind of level within one or two seasons. Um, you know, he's he covers passing lanes, he anticipates and interceptions really, really well. I think his his ability to control the ball and, and then pass it almost sort of in, in kind of one flow movement is, is fantastic. You know, his ability to pick through balls, whether that's just sends a forward or to wingers or just to play between the lines is great. You know he's, he's played right back, he's played holding mid, he's played right of a diamond. He could probably play as a number ten if you really want him to. Very very athletic. Um, you know and he's got this ability to hit hit the home ball run, which I think is is um, is something that I think Fabregas provides that that home run ball ability for a midfielder to, to pick out a coster and, and and to create a key chance, which I don't think any of our midfielders probably do. And uh, the best description I've had of him is, is probably Ted uh, Ted Nutson who. Um, I think he's at Mixnuts on Twitter, who he, he does a lot of these football analytics and football radar stuff. He described him as being a Doberman, which I think is a really, really good comparison. Um, very tenacious, very, very aggressive, but very intelligent, very technical, very tactical, very graceful. Um, you know, I think for me personally, you know, he's he's the best midfielder that, that, that we could buy. Um, you know, the, the Vidal comparison is very true for I me. Mean, I think someone like that in a Conte team. You know we've sort of seen how well Vidal played under Conte before and going forward I think you know Tolisso is is the player that we should sign um you know if it's if it's that we have to give them Traore and Zuma are on loan and we obviously whatever amount of money I'll, I'll be quite comfortable paying that for him um be a bit pain to lose Traore but I think Tolisso is probably worth the investment particularly when you you know you look at his age you know his size and obviously the potential that he's got he's 22 you know he's he's just a touch under six foot but you know, he, like you said he has got that frame plus you know for, from a pure pure central midfielder not someone like Deli Alley who plays as more of a number 10 you know 14 goals 7 assists and, and you know 2 key passes a game is, is pretty pretty impressive stuff for, for someone who doesn't necessarily play in the most attack minded um, Leon side that, that I can remember so yeah really really one of my favourite players and definitely someone if you were to tell me one player that we could sign on this list it probably would be Tolisso
0: well that's a pretty high praise from uh, Tweets yeah. himself uh,
1: yes, one of
0: my favorites. <laughs> Nick, I guess. Uh, anyone else you want to touch on before we do our wish list?
2: Um, to be honest, I, you know Joe, I don't know that much about Paredes. Um, you know, I think that from a size standpoint, it, it looks like Madich will go, and you know, Bakayoko is is gravy for me. I'm I'm all good with that. Virati is my guy on this list that I really you know I would love to to have. You know, probably more than any other player that we've talked about thus far. I think that he's just incredible. And he, he's, a, he's a guy, you know, almost like John Terry, that if you're playing against him, you hate him. Uh, you know, if he's on, you know, your uh, your rivals team, you hate him. But if he's on your team, you love him. He has this tenaciousness that, you know, we. I remember Chelsea playing PSG in a preseason match two years ago in Charlotte. And, you know, he, he had a couple of, you know, rough tackles in a preseason match. And I, I can remember everybody... Uh, kind of shouting him out as a dirty player, but you know, I think there's, I, I think there's a respect factor too for. You know a little engine that could kind of guy going in hard for a tackle, and you know, I would love to kind of see that back at Chelsea.
1: He's like a really, really technically good version of Dennis Wise, which is kind of a sort of very throwback comment to make. But right. Wise was, you know, like a, a very undersized central midfielder, but you know, he would fly into tackles with Roy Keane and Vieira and, and, and anyone kind of you know who would be a dominant midfielder. I think Tolisso ha- definitely has that kind of very small but slightly you know, big dog mentality about him, so I, I definitely love that. And you know, I think again, for me, you know, in. If, if we could get him, I think I would absolutely be throwing every single pound of Romans at him. But yeah, it's just, it's just a question of whether PSG will pay ball. Um, you know, he, he is one of the probably probably a top three four midfielder in the world. Um, particularly um, if you were to put him in that in that kind of register or that sort of holding role in front of a back three, I think he would be absolutely incredible. But yeah, I mean, it's it's for me. Unfortunately, I think it's probably more of a dream than a, than a reality this summer.
0: Well perfect timing because it's our wish list, Joe. Uh obviously it sounds like you're high in Tuliso. Uh personally, uh I like the Tuliso Bakayoko uh combination. If I had to maybe, you know, branch down the list a little bit more and kind of look outside of that, you know, uh I don't know. I, I am that bitter Variety fan as well that he's caused so much damage <laughs> to us. It it still hurts. Um but, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think that we if we couldn't go off this or if it was only here, I would probably have to go off this list and just find someone else because I think Nabi Keita is gonna go for huge money that we won't go for. Uh Paredes, I'm not sure if he would kind of fit in with what we need and Dora just being a young, young gunner, uh probably wouldn't be able to fit in right away. So I guess I'll stick with my Bakayoko Taliso. Uh Nick though, you sir. You've gotten
2: over the misery that Virati's shown to us, given us. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's. I, I, if Chelsea signs one player, and it can only be one player this summer, I, I want it to be Virati. I, I just I think he's unbelievable. You know, it sounds to me like Bakayoko is is nearing a done deal, which would give us two. And then you know, I, it, Joe Joe is waxing poetic about Tolisso, so I'm uh, I'm not going to go against him there. You know, if if you if you get two of those three, I mean that's a that's a major coup for the summer.
0: Joe, we're gonna let you wrap this one up. Obviously, you can just put the bow on everything that you've presented us today.
1: <laughs> uh, Taliso, Bakayoko, and if we can't get Varati, um, Paredes would be a good B plus option for me. So yeah, free if if possible
0: all right well let's go ahead and keep this ship moving um i know that you know we we talk about our attacking line right because we essentially just have attackers we don't really have forwards or we'll like pigeonhole hazard and Pedro and say yeah they're forwards but obviously there's a lot more dynamic uh difference going into that so we're just going to call everyone attackers and that's going to include uh the forwards as well so um, what we have right now is potentially leaving Harbol, Diego Costa, and Mishi Um Weird, weird how that works. Chelsea have just been on the churn and burn of forwards in the last three to four seasons, I think. Essentially, since Drogba left the first time, just really haven't been able to, to you know, get someone to fit long term. We went with the Etto uh, project back in the day, and then we had um, Remy who couldn't stay fit. You know, we just it was kind of difficult. And so here we are back again, potentially scrapping everything and starting over, but our current attackers are Diego Costa, Mishi Batuai, and Hazard, Pedro, William, Kennedy, Loftus cheek. And I know Kennedy maybe can play some other places, but since I made the script, I love him in the attacking role. So that's (laughs) where we'll see him. Uh, Obviously we have Charlie Musanda as well. You know, he's still around the first team, getting over another injury, but it sounds like he's going to get a good look at, in preseason, and we know that he's way too small to do any defending. So, um, where do you kind of see us uh, in this window, Nick? We can—I don't know—is it safe to assume one of the two leave? But I don't know. Like the Ford is such a difficult one,
2: isn't it, Nick? <sighs> yeah, I mean this is this is a challenge. I mean, when on its merits, you would think that you know, as you look for the striker in this uh, role. You know the the casa thing has just been this long drawn out saga. Um, I'm not sure what he's going to do <clears throat> or what the club want to do with him. Uh, you know the, there are some reports you see out there that they've just kind of had enough of kind of the um, extracurriculars with him and and potential moves uh, to other places that he would want to play. Uh, and then and then on the flip side, the, you know the club obviously you know have to know his his value as a striker and his uh, his record as a striker in the Premier League is is exquisite. So, it's a uh, it's a difficult scenario. Let's I, I think maybe Joe for uh, you know just the the fun of this exercise. Let's pretend that Costa is going, and <laughs> let, let's just no, pretend that don't yeah. Well, but let's just pretend because I think it, it makes kind of the picture be clearer. If Costa goes, I don't think there's any way they can. Um, loan out Mishi unless they have two quality options. Yeah. Does does everyone agree with that scenario?
1: Yeah, I mean if, if Costa goes, um I, I still think that that there's a lot of talk about Mishi leaving and that seems to be kind of regardless of what happens with Costa. So yeah, I mean I think if it could be the fact that both of them go, so we don't actually have a centre forward at some point. But yeah, I mean I think that, that potentially could could happen.
0: I think that if we brought in another striker to really push Costa, we'd see him at his best again. You know, he really hasn't been challenged a whole lot in the last couple of seasons. He knows that he's been the out-and-out number one option. And Conte really didn't give uh, Mishi a lot of time, which we saw. So to me, I think um, if we have to assume that Diego leaves uh, against my will, that yeah, uh, you're, you're definitely going to be looking at two... Um, very well-known, proven strikers. Uh, obviously, Joe has a pretty fantastic list here, you know. But it seems like with a lot of the guys, like I think Kennedy might go. I think Loftus Cheek is now looking seriously at a loan. And then you've got William Pedro Hazard, who can, for the most part, uh, handle the those kind of either the number maybe ten position or the wings, kind of however we set up in 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 our formation. But, you know, one of the people who wasn't on your list, Joe, was Alvaro Morata. Is that just because you don't <laughs> think he'd be a good fit? Or do you think he's essentially gone to AC Milan or somewhere else?
1: It's kind of a mixture of the, I, I don't, I, I think that he's he's probably going to go elsewhere, but equally, I have a bit of an irrational dislike for him. Um, I'm not entirely sure why. I mean, I, you know, I think he's, he's a very good forward, but he's kind of a six and seven out of 10, you know, for a lot of things to me i think he's you know he's he's got a very good goal scoring record real madrid but then you know i think particularly if you look at the, the the teams that he scores against, I don't think you know it's it's that difficult to say that I think any good centre forward would, would probably do as well or better than him. Um, you know, he's obviously got the size factor, which I think is probably his main strength, but I, I don't see him having kind of an outstanding kind of attribute. Um, you know, if you were to take away the fact that I think his goals record is a little bit inflated by the opposition that he generally played against, and he didn't really make that much of an impact in terms of starting regularly at uh, Juventus. You'll see that I think they they did favour other players over him so you know, I have concerns particularly when you know you're talking about 50 60 million pounds of him uh, you know for, if we were to let Costa go and I think Costa you know for it is uh, you know one of these players that he, he does score a lot of important goals you know people might say okay here and he only scored 20 21 goals etc but you know that stat about his goals you know being 15 points is, is insane you know that, that, that he does score important goals and I'd be very very reticent to let someone who is is that effective and, and comes up in those sorts of situations go for a player who I don't think necessarily is 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 top quality or or is necessarily going to have that that kind of tangible impact on the team. Um, you know, he he for me would be like um, getting a, a a young version of uh, the guy Swans whose name now escapes me, but the uh, Fernando Llorente. The, the there you go yes so I mean I'm not'm not, I'm not usually keen on him um, I do think again I, I would prefer to go in another direction personally but yeah. That's that's the reason I didn't really include him.
0: So that means that you must not rate Romelu Lukaku very high because he only scores against the bad teams too. Yes. (laughs) Oh. Oh.
1: Well, I mean, there was a really interesting stat that for all the amount of goals that he scored, and uh, there's no doubt that his record, particularly for his age, is fantastic, but I think Opta had that they didn't actually affect any of Everton's results, which to me just seems insane that you can score what I've obviously had, 25, 26 league goals, something like that, and, and not... Not, a single one of them be decisive in terms of getting any points. So, you know, I, I'll talk about Lukaku in a bit, but I mean, I I, I still would prefer Lukaku over Morata. I think Lukaku obviously has got pretty uh, you know exceptional physical traits, which I don't think necessarily Morata has, particularly you know that sort of uh, the height, weight, speed, sort of stuff that, that Lukaku brings. But yeah, I mean, again, uh, you know, for, for just for you know wrapping up a mini bit on Lukaku, I, I don't necessarily see him as, as being this hugely decisive centre forward. Which again, you know, kicking up costs for someone with a better goal scoring record is all well and good but if Costa's goals win us 15 points a season because he scores against big teams or he you know he contributes in big games and uh Lukaku's scoring against Hull and West Brom and, and other players of that ilk then uh, again it's it, it to me doesn't necessarily seem like a huge upgrade particularly for 70 or 100 million pounds or whatever it is Everton you know are plucking out of the air this week that, that you know they're attributing in terms of cost for him so yeah tough one.
2: Yeah, I think the you know when when we look at some of the names on your list here, I mean, you have Alexis Sanchez, who I think would be kind of a an A plus dream signing for for four years. I mean that he's he's already twenty, I think he's already twenty eight. Is that right, Joe? I mean, he's, I think he is, yeah, correct, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's definitely a guy who has you know a few a few good years left in him, but he's a fantastic footballer. Uh, let's see, you know, we went over Lukaku. Mauro Icardi um, you know let's touch on him because I know in your article you you know similar to uh, Taliso you were you were waxing uh, poetic about it Maro Icardi
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, and for me, this this was signal kind of a slightly different change in direction for forwards that we've maybe had over the past. I think you know with Costa and Drogba, there are sort of stylistically kind of not necessarily battering rounds, but they're you know they're very physical sense forwards. And I think maybe someone like Akadi, um, particularly in the final third, I mean, he's very very technical. You know, he can dribble in the area, but it's just his ability to create you know chances out of nothing. I mean, if you watch any of his sort of goal scoring highlights, so there's, there's one in particular where I think the defender is is you know, within sort of inch of taking his shirt off and, and wearing it and ironing in it. You know, he's so literally, you know, committed to fouling. I mean, he's kind of off balance and he shifts the ball just away from him and somehow generates this ridiculous amount of power and puts the ball in the top corner from about probably 18, 20 yards out. I mean, it's just this, this ability to just, just score from pretty much anywhere in the area. I, I think he... He leads the line really well. You know, his link-up play is massively improved. You know, he's really, really bad. You know, he's a really balanced footballer. He can shoot off both feet. He can score headers. But for me, I think that the, the concern I have on the front line is that when Costa is you know distracted or, or however we're going to position his second half of the season, you know that that link-up play that was probably there in the first couple of months just disappears. And I think with Acardi, you know, the, the, the way you're really going to see Eden Hazard become a maybe a twenty-plus goal a season player. Is if he's got a centre forward who he can really link with. But I think we actually saw that probably best when Samueletto was here. I think we touched on it a bit earlier, but some of the link up between Hazard maybe for that Newcastle goal, that sort of intricate play, um, is something that I think Akadi brings. And I think the thing is as well, if you actually look at his goals record, this is not a very good inter Milan side. And again, you know, 24 goals, nine assists in 34 games um for a team that is not really that good. Um I think again says so says a lot about Acardi as a player. And it's no surprise to me that Sampaoli has actually called him up to the, uh, the Argentina squad for the first time in, uh, I think in a very long time, because I think he's just, he's just a wonderful center forward. But again, it's the same problem, you know, but I think both Milan clubs have seen a significant injection of money and, and new ownership coming in over whatever the, the past sort of six to eight months or, or whatever the, the time period has been. But I think Acardi is going to be a player that Inter Milan just, they, they can't afford to sell him because it, it goes, it goes completely against their, their projects of rebuilding the club. So, for me, you know, I think I think he would be gettable. I think we could we could offer significant money for him. I would have him ahead of of Lukaku personally, just because I think he's a different type of forward. But I think it's going to be difficult to try and buy him, buy him with the uh, with the sort of the, the ownership questions around uh, Inter Milan. And obviously, they're they're trying to sort of get back to their kind of mid two thousand sort of glory period. So yeah, it'd be a tricky one. But I, I think he's an absolutely fantastic player.
0: OK, so, you know, obviously formation, depending on a lot of this stuff, uh, I would like to bring it and specifically talk about maybe the inside forwards uh, or maybe the guys who are on the outside of the 4-3 or the 3-4-3. So you've got Bernadeschi here. We've obviously talked about Alexis Sanchez, who could also potentially lead a line. Uh, but then you've got Berardi as well. So we've got a couple of, you know, young gun Italian guys uh, that like to go forward forward what I guess between Pedro William and Hazard, I guess Joe, where do, do you think that we need an upgrade on one or more of those players? And would these guys do that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think Alexis Sanchez probably probably speaks for himself. Um, even his record, particularly playing from the right hand side, is, is incredible. Um, I think 46 goals, 30 assists in 118 games. It's just an insane amount of productivity, purely playing as a right winger. So, you know, I think again, we, it's it's a person that we we potentially can get. You know, if, if Manchester City can come to the equation and, and Arsenal are willing to sell to a domestic rival, I think that he's something that we can definitely get. If we're looking a bit further afield, probably out of the two Italians, I think Bernardeschi is, is the one for me personally. Um, you know, I think you look at look at what he's done at Fiorentina, and I think again, for anyone who probably watches Fiorentina or, or maybe if you watch maybe a couple of his matches the thing that really stands out is the, the quality of chances that he creates that don't end up in goals is, is frankly quite ludicrous at times. I mean, I, I, there's there's one compilation YouTube. I think you, you probably there's four or five Clips in a row where he's actually put the ball on someone's head about three yards out from goal, and, and they've inexplicably put it ten yards over the bar. But it's <laughs> it's it's like a regular occurrence at Fiorentina that he puts these really really fantastic chances on the plate for people, and they just inexplicably miss them because uh, you know I'm not sure who their centre forward is, but he's obviously not particularly great. But you know, a, a really insane number of, of key passes per game. His work rate is exceptional. Plus, I'm a, I'm a really, really big fan of having inverted um, inverted sort of wingers in this, in this 3-4-3 formation, particularly if you have um, sort of, you know, kind of gallivanting wingbacks who can really get up and down on the right-hand side. Actually, you know, he's left-footed, his ability to come back on his left foot to shoot or pass or cross. You know, I think personally, particularly just, just by his size as well, you know, he's six foot, so obviously you've got a bit more size up there as well, but... He's he's very very quick, you know. He's a very balanced player. Um, you know, again, I think he's he's one of these guys that Conte knows very well. Um, and I think again, you know, he's 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 well outgrown um, Fiorentina now. And I think potentially for me, you know, I, I do I would see him as an upgrade on Pedro purely because I think Benedetti is just a bit more dangerous, um, and he has a bit more size to him as well. So um, yeah, I think he's for me personally someone that I would I would really like if the possibility if signing Sanchez doesn't exist.
0: So then again, I mean, like pecking order wise, are they going to jump ahead of Pedro and William?
1: I think, I think Bernadeschi would. Yeah, I think he would. Um, again, I think Pedro, you know, much, much improved than last season. But again, I think he's one of these players that doesn't necessarily always play particularly well in in some of the, the sort of bigger games that we've seen. Um I think Bernadeschi. When you see him perform, you know it's a very consistent performance level, whether it's Juventus or one of the Milan teams, or whether he's playing Sassuolo or some other kind of random Italian team. Because I think Pedro um, probably his his massive kind of you know performances have come against sort of more mid-table teams, and I do kind of really sort of doubt whether Pedro is going to be the guy in Europe who you know is going to take us forward um, next season. But you know again. Definitely one up for debate. I don't think it's um, it's not like a huge gap. I would say it wouldn't be say like getting Sandro you know, versus Alonso for example. But it would be very very small details. But I think both just from a size perspective, obviously he's, he's 23. He's got that on his age as well. But just the fact that I think he's just a bit more it's just a bit more influential in the final third. I think that that potentially does come into play here. So yeah, I would say personally from my personal perspective, I would have him as a starter. But you know, he's he would be an excellent option to have um, if, if he's not starting.
0: All right, Nick. You're the one who teed us up at uh, a Costa list future next season. So, who is going to lead the line for Chelsea in your eyes, Tammy Oy. Abraham?
2: I knew it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was going to try to jinx you. Yeah, no. I uh, I think Tammy will enjoy a loan to a Premier League side next year, uh, which will be good for him. I think uh, he has all the potential in the world. I uh, would certainly like to see him kind of be our third choice but you know he's going to get more playing time elsewhere so let's continue that development uh if i had to take a guess i mean i, I would guess lukaku although i think that's like my the like the fifth the most fifth excited most excited player, player i have on uh, this, have list. On this I mean, list i mean i i, I, really, I really am intrigued, am intrigued um, um by the the Alex Sanchez Sanchez thing, thing. you you know, know, he's he's so flexible, he can play as a a striker, he can lead the line, uh, and him and Hazard interchange just kind of has, you know, glory written all over it, so, um, you know, Cardi's an interesting shout, uh, you know, I'd be interested to see if the physicality of the Premier league would kind of throw him off, um, but when you look out there, I mean, the, the name that's, Occasionally popped up, you know. If you're really looking for a physical specimen, is Dembele? Um, Joe, do you have any thoughts any on him? I know I that mean, he, was I know Celtic, he was a Celtic uh, this past year. Past year. Um, is, 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 there, there, is there a, is there a is real? A real is, is he a real, real player? player or is is it just, just the, the Scottish, Scottish league? league?
1: See, the, the difficulty I have, and this, this is probably my kind of academy bias coming through here, but when Dembele, I think he was at Fulham before he went to Celtic. I'm not sure he would have got into our youth team. Now, this is, you know, this is, well, I think he had probably Solanke, Tammy Abraham and probably another player to contend with, but I don't think personally that he's a better player than Tammy Abraham. And I think the money that I've seen being quoted for him, like 30 million euros, seems ridiculous for a player that probably moved for like, I don't know, maybe two, three million pounds um, from, from Fulham to Celtic. And I don't necessarily think, again, that really you know, getting someone who I don't really you know, I, I don't I just don't see the the appeal of him being that much better than, than what we have internally. I think Abraham is a better player. I think probably EK Ugbo is probably a better player than him as well. Um, Dom Sananke obviously has gone now, but, but at the time was probably considered a better player. But, you know, I think it's, it's, it's easy for some players, particularly at Celtic. I mean, they're so dominant in the Scottish league. I mean, they've gone for a season unbeaten. I think, you know, unlike Arsenal where they drew a third of their games, they probably only drew maybe two, you know, maybe four or five, six games or whatever. Um, in their season that they were dominant in every game it feels quite easy for a forward to look good in a team where you're probably you know controlling 60-65% of the ball and maybe getting you know 5-6 chances a game so not someone necessary that I, I you know I would consider to be an option I, I probably would be quite disappointed if we were to spend like 25 million pounds on someone who you know again probably doesn't get in any of our youth teams at any point in his career so yeah I mean I'm, I'm still a little bit uh confused by by the links there but you know I think it's it's obviously an option that the club seem to be exploring
2: I mean the, the final guy is the guy that I whacked poetic about all the time um that's not on your list but that's in my heart um and that's uh Obama Yang from from Dortmund although it looks like he is going to PSG uh would just be a fantastic signing is flexible is an amazing goal scoring record uh, just basically the everything for me, Joe.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing with Aubameyang is, is I don't think we've ever really been linked with him, which is probably the only reason I don't really include him on a lot of the times. I, I talk about players and, and people I like to see at Chelsea. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he is electric. He's an incredible finisher. He can play probably anywhere across the front three. Probably you could play him as a number 10 um, I think if the, if he does go to psu then that's a huge, huge signing for them, particularly if, if you know, he links he up with Cavani, for example. But yeah, just just one of these players I've, I've never really seen this link with, which I'm not entirely sure why, because I've always felt that he he would be a very good fit in the Premier League. Um, you know, he's he might not have the physicality of a dropper, but I mean his his pace is it's kind of otherworldly I mean you see particularly in the Bundesliga you know it's a league that does have a lot of athletic centre-backs and you know two touches of the ball and, and he's already six seven yards clear of people it's, it's quite incredible to see at times but yeah I mean he he's a fantastic player and I think again the sort of PSG links look quite ominous but I would imagine that um, yeah he'll, he will completely tear the uh, the French league up
0: so you're talking about Icardi being a great fit but not available so does that mean Andre Silva is going to be your backup option, just your number two who can slot in? And the way we think about it, whoever's going to be those inside forwards really get the best out of them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Silva probably, of all the players on this, I think Silva's the best footballer. So, you know, we're talking everyone that I've oh. uh, written about. Um, you know, this is a guy who who grew up playing as a central midfielder, then started playing as a number 10. Uh, I think you really see that in his forward play, his ability to drop deep. And just glide past people and make people look stupid. And just he's such a kind of silky technical player. You know, it's it's not really the uh, you know I'm not really I suppose overselling by just saying that he from a technical standpoint he's absolutely incredible. Um, the I think the only concern with him really is that. You know, I would. I would want more goals from him. I think he's. I don't. I don't think it's kind of a, a conscious thing, but he's. He's so involved in build up and linking play. You know, which which may really you know help someone like Hazard or potentially someone like Sanchez if they were the other side of him. But you know, he seems so kind of focused in in being kind of the conductor of the entire sort of attack. That, that, you know, he, I think he only scored 16 league goals, which you know for a centre forward playing for. Port- I know that they've not had necessarily the best time of it recently but I would expect him to be scoring maybe 20-25 goals a season but I think with those 16 goals he might have 16 assists or you know he's 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 pretty significant in terms of build-up but if, if you could get more focus on him on goal scoring because he's a he's an insanely good finisher um a slight aside, but it'll probably worth mentioning. There was this kind of Nike footballer competition, which I, which I think, um, Thibaut Courtois was in goal for, and you had players like Hazard and I think Icardi turned up and some really, really top Nike athletes. And, um, it was all, it was almost kind of like an NFL combine style grading of like their touch and shooting and stuff like that. And I think silver won it quite clearly. Um, you know, when you're looking at sort of players like Hazard and, and, and other players of that standard, and Silva was the stand-up player, I think that, that kind of shows you just from a technical level just how good he is. But finishing-wise, you know, he's great in the air. He can finish on both feet. He can finish from all different types of angles. But it's just whether, whether he's too much of a team player, which sounds like a very strange negative. But, you know, for a centre-four, particularly in Chelsea, where we, we seem to rely so heavily on a forward to score goals, you know, it is someone who's going to come and drop deep and link things necessarily the right player. So for me, I mean, I, th- I think he's a wonder, wonder, wonderful talent and one of the, the players I really enjoy watching the most. But for me, it would be probably in a two-striker system at Chelsea, unless Conte could, you know, glue him to the uh, the 18-yard box and tell him not to sort of drift too far from there. But, you know, it's, it's a difficult one. You've got uh, an incredibly high-potential player who could probably easily be, a you know, a 25, 30-goal-a-season player. But it's just, I think, probably the fact that he's grown up as a midfielder, particularly at the number eight and number 10, it's it's kind of his natural game to come deep and link things and, and and be part of the build up. I mean, you can often see him coming back to the halfway line and picking the ball up. It's not it's not uncommon for him to come that deep to send, then sort of dribble forward, beat a few people, and and pass the ball that wide. But it's it's just yeah, you know, you're kind of getting a very kind of complete forward um, and and almost an attacking midfielder. So yeah, I mean, for me, great option. But is he is he a main striker at Chelsea? I'm not, I'm not so sure on that.
2: You know, I think. When when you look at forward play, you know we're we're definitely let's let's now let's now do the opposite thing where Costa stays. Who would be, who would push him the most of this group, Joe? I mean, when you when you look at you know kind of some of these fantastic names you have mentioned here, some of them are are wingers, some of them are are actual center forwards. You know, with Costa in the team, who's going to push him to be the best? Uh, and then you know who might pair nicely with him in a in a front two.
1: Um, I think Lukaku and Sanchez probably um, would would push in the most. Mostly, I think because they're they're just they're proven goal scorers in the Premier League. But I think again, if you're bringing in someone like Lukaku and you're paying that kind of money for him, I mean that immediately that's competition without him ever kicking a football. The fact that you're you're willing to spend you know upwards of seventy million pounds on him, so. You know, I think, again, Lukaku from a from a skill set standpoint, you know, big, physical, powerful centre-forward too. I think Conte could improve him. You know, I think the, the one knock on him, which is is probably the same that I've, I've had a bit on Costa when he's, when he's off form, is that sometimes his touch can desert him. Sometimes his link-up play isn't necessarily there. But you know, I think, again, it, it kind of depends what we want as a, a team. If you want someone to be on the end of stuff and score goals, I think Lukaku would be a great option and would really, really push Costa. Um, in terms of... Uh, Maybe someone to dovetail with him and get the best out of him. I think it would probably be Silva, um, as, as if you're looking at maybe a three-five-two and that kind of support striker role. Um, I think that probably is, is almost tailor-made for Silva in just how he plays. Or Sanchez. So you know you've got maybe three options there. I think are probably the best. But probably one player we haven't spoken about being Bellotti. Um you who know, I think maybe would would probably be the the kind of direct cost of replacement for me.
0: And I think that's what I was trying to figure out because, guys, we talked about this and no one really seems to be like a great replacement for Costa. Um, If anything, it sounds like we're trying to figure out how to support this center forward. So I think that if Costa were to leave, I think this just shows us that if our best option is, you know, as of right now, not saying it doesn't have potential, but you know, a one season wonder as it stands in Italy, Um, that, that just kind of scares me is, is, you know, like the, the available options out there are way less than what we think. So, um, if we just kind of mirror this season, uh, Nick, who would be your attacking three, uh, going into next season, if you could have it any way you want with the players we've talked about?
2: Uh, I think. You know, in a perfect world, you would have, you know, Diego playing his best, wanting to be at Chelsea um, as, as your center forward. Um, if not, then, you know, I would I would bring in uh, someone, you know, probably like a, a Sanchez who is flexible, can either play on the right or the left. I mean, you're not going to replace Hazard. So, uh, you know, I'd be I'd be really interested to see, you know, maybe what. Um, Antonio Conte could do with Murata, you know, as as a potential backup to to Diego as well, Um, because I feel like, you know, he you know, Joe Joe's right. He's not the finished article um, and maybe not even, you know, a a page of an article that you'd want to read. But uh, I, I, I do think that he he has some talent and has had very limited time to kind of show it off. So given the opportunity, he might just, you know, fit what Antonio wants to do. Joe, what about you? What's your uh, kind of
0: attacking trio that you would like to see going into next season?
1: If if Costa goes, and this is if Costa goes, um, it would be Hazard on the left. I would like to see Sanchez or Silva down the middle and Bernadeschi on the right. I think that would be exciting, a lot of goals and would genuinely, genuinely scare a lot of teams, particularly in the Champions League, not just domestically
0: all right i would go hazard costa and bernadeshi as well but i i'm buying the stock but i tell you what man i still think that uh and william would have a plenty of a role to play um yes and i think if you brought in what like a sanchez obviously uh or bernadeshi i think one of those guys would go there's just not enough time to have that many for those positions man guys this has been a a tough tough episode for us but i think if we could wrap it up with just saying who would be your top four signings this summer uh just kind of with as things stand right now if you could bring in any four players who would they be and uh we'll just kind of make our list from there and, and see what we can come with uh Tweeds, obviously you've been leading the charge for most of the day. I feel like this is going to be really easy for you. Who would be the top four guys you want Chelsea to sign, no matter what, this summer?
1: I would go with uh, Van Dijk as a centre-back, Alexandro to be my left-wing back, uh, Corentin Tolisso in centre-midfield, and probably Alexis Sanchez up front.
0: All right. So obviously we need defensive you know improvements a little bit a little bit everywhere pretty much right you know one from each bucket that we've talked about
1: yes <laughs> nick keep keeping us spread out
0: yeah no i hear you balance joe's about balance i get it
1: exactly yes
0: uh
2: nick what about you man so uh as I said earlier, I would have Marco Verratti as my number one kind of uh selection. and you know, I think he's just incredible. Alexis Sanchez up front. Um getting getting the final kind of four good years out of him would be amazing. Uh Sandro and Van Dyke would be on my list. I you know, I just I think they are clear upgrades to what we have. Mm. All right.
0: My turn. I think Van Dyke is uh, Something we can all agree on pretty unanimously. Uh, understandable why. Uh, I would actually go with Kyle Walker uh, is my wingback. I think uh, obviously it maybe is more difficult, but um, I would like to see him, him come play for us. Uh, Sanchez, absolutely up top. I mean, that guy is devastating. The amount of goals that he's been involved in and directly scored himself is just, it's nuts. He is literally backpacking that entire Arsenal team. Uh, and then my last one would be Tuliso in the middle. So again, one from kind of each bucket. I think that that would, uh, you know, be a direct improvement at every single position. But as you guys can see, even the three of us can't unanimously decide on all four (laughs) players because there's a lot of options. And, and, and we just want to remind you guys like that's what it's about, right? This is all speculation and a lot of opinion that goes into this. And so feel free to please share with us your opinions of who, you know, you think Chelsea should bring in. Obviously, this is all just to start a discussion and, and look at it. Um, but I think that we'll go ahead and, uh, kick it with a couple questions and wrap this one up uh i thought at jason gastworth had a really good shout uh joe pushing this to you because we talked about set pieces a little bit he says we have to address set pieces without sesk or willian our set pieces are almost wasteful unless it's in the alonzo you know direct free kick zone Uh, definitely a skill needed new targets is that something that we can improve upon with those midfielders that we listed
1: yeah i mean i think actually um alexandro's really really got really really good delivery from from both sides actually as a left footer but i think the one thing which i would like to see um is is actually eden hazard on three kicks i know he took them uh leo and he was pretty good at them and i've always wondered why he hasn't you know he's a pretty dominant player here why he hasn't stepped up and and taken more um particularly shooting opportunities so that might be something to watch this uh this offseason
2: I also like that he called it the Alonzo zone.
1: That's a great name for it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of that. Great question.
0: Uh, And then the last one we have is uh, at MH Martin, Two says out of all the targets on the wish list, what player would you or which player would have the biggest impact on our starting lineup, both short and long term? So who's got an immediate impact and uh, could be around so? I think that this almost rules out Alexis Sanchez when you say long-term, just because he's probably the oldest one on the list. But short-term, instant impact. That guy is going to immediately lift this team. And I think that that even outweighs the long-term on this one. I still think Alexis Sanchez would come in day one
2: and immediately make this team better. Nick, what about you? Uh, long-term, uh, you know, uh, if, if he can stay healthy, Virgil van Dijk would be – you know, I think just a mainstay in the squad for you know six seven years, and if you have a chance to go get a guy at his age with his immense physical talents, who will who will only grow in the game mentally under a guy like Antonio Conte, you could see him being a mainstay forever. Uh, and then you know, I think short term, you know, Brandon, you're you're dead on with uh, with Sanchez. You know he he just has it. He has whatever it is the ability to see things that aren't there and, and all that kind of stuff i think is pairing with hazard would be insanity uh and would be almost impossible to stop and you know that that's kind of where uh where my head's at what about you joe
1: I think short term if we were to sign Alexandro I think that would have the biggest impact primarily obviously I think he's an absolutely fantastic player but just what it would do for Eden Hazard um, to not be double marked to not have to face triple teams all the time to have someone that you would genuinely need to account for you know overlapping every single time that he touches the ball I think you you unlock a lot of um, of Eden Hazard's like further potential so I, feel, I still think we're not seeing the complete level of Hazard you know that I would like to see at the moment so I think short term Sandro means that you know you can't just put three players on Hazard and and hope that he doesn't do anything so short term that would be that and I think long term probably I would say Andreas Christensen actually so um, you know, a homegrown academy player who was you know, brought into the club at what 15, 16 years old. Um, you know, someone that John Terry's person is earmarked as as potentially being someone who could who could be a long-term player here. And I think it would be a really, really positive step for the academy if christensen came back and was at the club for the next eight years you know it's not someone who we've we've fought out 30 40 50 million pounds for obviously you know obviously a, a team signing so i think long term if christensen can embed himself within the starting 11 you know, that's a really positive sign for the club and obviously the academy going forward
0: all right that is a so a good shout taking us all the way back to the beginning of part one on this so uh thank you for everyone who asked questions obviously we weren't able to get all of them in. Um, But to those of you that submitted, thank you so much. Uh, Obviously, uh, we want to to wrap this up with our final thoughts. Real quick, we just want to give a, a friendly plug to World Soccer Shop, and then we'll call this one wraps. Here we go.
2: Yep, everyone, just go follow World Soccer Shop on all of your favorite social media platforms, Instagram facebook twitter this is the time of year where kit releases start to happen and uh interesting uh styles start to come out so uh you would want to stay in tune with everything they're doing on instagram on twitter and on facebook go follow them help our show out
0: Alright well thank you so much Tweeds for joining us uh, Obviously it has been uh, A fun two-parter That we were able to deliver To to everyone listening uh, So again uh, Your work is fantastic People love it and enjoy it And thank you for joining us To kind of add another outlet To, to share uh, What you've been doing As far as uh, Essentially scouting For Chelsea has, has gone
1: <laughs> Yeah it's been a pleasure guys As always And uh, obviously you know, Anytime you want me on Just give me a shout
0: I will most definitely do that. Uh, make sure to go follow him uh, at Joe Tweedy on social media. Uh, he's a great follow and obviously tons more insight. Nick, thank you as well for joining us, uh, you know, right through the middle of your Saturday. I, uh, I appreciate this.
2: This is valuable time. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm, I'm very excited for this window. Hopefully uh, the club have everything lined up, uh, get Conte's extension and then move through some of this list i mean i think they can basically just take it joe and and kind of use it as their guide
1: yeah i've already sent it to emmanalo at chelsea.com so hopefully he uh, <laughs> it look.
0: fantastic well again thank you everyone for listening uh we appreciate that we're gonna bring you- You know, bringing you guys more content this season as things pop up. Obviously, we wanted to get ahead of the summer transfer window as deals start popping so we could kind of get out there first and share ideas. Tweet at us, email us, Facebook us, Instagram us. Let us know what you think. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.